Working remotely, where you are shouldn't dictate what you do. Work from the road by turning your vehicle into a reliable high-speed data Wi-Fi hotspot with AT&T in-car Wi-Fi. On the network that covers more roads than any other carrier, take your work on the road and AT&T will be there to keep you connected. Connect up to 10 devices and stream conference calls, finish up that presentation, or answer last-minute emails. Why wait? Go to att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi today for free trial eligibility. Based on independent third-party data, number of devices varies by manufacturer. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. Whether this is her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct is everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct, your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast, and hear from the minds transforming healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more with the help of AI. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up? This your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casual and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Welcome to Tech Stuff, a production from iHeartRadio. Hey there and welcome to Tech Stuff. I'm your host, Jonathan Strickland. I'm an executive producer with iHeartRadio. And how the tech are you? Well, on Monday, I did an episode about some of the tech community's April Fool's gags this year, and I mentioned the Razer Razer, a computer mouse that doubles as an electric razor from the company Razer. That was, of course, just a joke. No such device exists. But I also mentioned how Razer, the company behind the gag, has a history of introducing product concepts at events like CES that never really seemed to go anywhere. And that convinced me to do a quick episode to talk about a few of Razer's vaporware products. So first, let's define a couple of terms. Vaporware refers to an announced, but as of yet unreleased product. Vaporware can cover hardware or software. And typically, we reserve the word for products that are either taking longer to come to market than was expected, or ones from a company that has a reputation for failing to release stuff. 
And I've done lots of episodes about vaporware in the past. For years, the quintessential example of vaporware was Duke Nukem Forever. It was a game that was in development for 14 years. Many gamers were convinced that the Duke Nukem sequel was never going to come out. And when it finally did, a lot of folks wish it had not come out. Now, I never played Duke Nukem Forever myself. I did play Duke Nukem 3D. The reviews I read for Duke Nukem Forever were pretty darn harsh. Anyway, while I don't intend to put Razor on blast or anything, I thought it might be interesting to look at some of the concepts the company has shown off that have yet to materialize. And that brings us to the other term here, like concept. Sometimes the word prototype is used. Concept and prototype, those are words that should not immediately lead us to use vaporware. It might be unfair for me to use that term because really these are ideas. They are sometimes the materialization of an idea, but it's not necessarily an idea that's meant to go into production. So I should clarify that when Razor shows off these concepts, it's doing so without the express promise that this is going to become a commercial product down the line. So I could be sitting here arguing, hey, it stinks because this thing Razer showed off never, never came out. And Razer could legit say, we never said it was going to come out. This was kind of a proof of concept. And we just thought it was really interesting. And we shared it with the world. And that that's fair because they did not promise that it was going to be a product. One other thing to keep in mind is that some of these things may still come out as a product, or at least have some of their features worked into a product in the future. And it might be that that product is not as flashy or capable as the concept was, but it could still show that that concept served as a guideline for certain features of products in the future. Some vaporware like the infamous Phantom console, never materializes. And others, like Duke Nukem Forever, eventually claw their way into reality and often don't measure up to expectations. So this is not me saying that the following Razer concepts will definitely never, ever come out or materialize in some meaningful way. All right, so Razer does have a history of showing off concepts at CES that, as I record this, have yet to actually become a product. And it does raise some questions like, why would you show off a concept that you do not plan to bring to market? Now, there are a few potential answers for this. Maybe the answer is that Razer is considering bringing these things to market and just hasn't pulled the trigger yet and needs to gauge interest or that the company may still be fine tuning the design and that the concept as it stands isn't practical for a finished product that things need to be tweaked. Maybe the plan is just to stand out in a very crowded field of competition at big events like CES, because these concepts always seem to garner a lot of media attention. And that can be hard to come by. Like if you ever visit CES, it is such a huge show with thousands of companies exhibiting at CES that finding any way to grab attention becomes uh, a big driver for a lot of these companies. Otherwise, they're just sitting there as countless people walk past their booth. But let's start with a concept that came out several years ago. So way back in 2014, 
Razer showed off a modular desktop computer concept called Project Christine. The foundation for this concept was a simple tower chassis. It had no front, it had no back, it didn't even have sides. It was just sort of a, a vertical rectangular stand, and the corners were a little bit rounded off. So it wasn't like a, a sharp rectangle. But imagine a, a vertical rectangular stand that's empty in the middle. This served as a rack, and in this rack you could plug in modules that would serve as different computer components. One might be dedicated to RAM, for example, or the CPU, or maybe more specific things like LED controls. And you would be able to install and uninstall these modules really easily. You just essentially plug and play, hot swapping if you wanted to. So you could theoretically quickly swap out parts to upgrade your machine, though because these modules were being made by Razer and so was the chassis, presumably you would have to get everything from Razer to upgrade your machine. So let's say that there's a new faster CPU on the market. If it was just available in general, but not from Razer, you'd probably be stuck because you had to use this modular approach. It's almost like plugging cassettes in, in a way. Also, the concept used mineral oil as a coolant. So a module near the base of the chassis act as a, a reservoir for mineral oil. And then each module that would attach to the chassis also had its own little pump system to pump mineral oil through the module and thus cool it down as it operated which was a really neat concept. Uh, I imagine it would really appeal to people who wanted a bit more flexibility with their desktop computers, but who were not yet comfortable at building their own or swapping out their own components. Because that is a big step for people, right? You have your average consumer who just wants something that works and they buy their computer and then over time their computer is getting uh, outpaced by the complexity of software demands and you need to upgrade. Well, those folks are probably more likely to buy a new computer than they are to open up their machine and swap out components because that's an intimidating step for someone who's never done it before. This concept, Project Christine, created kind of a, a stepping stone toward that, this modular approach where it seems much more intuitive and simple and harder to screw up so that the average person would say, oh, I just need to pull this module out, plug this new module in, and I'm good to go. So yeah, the concept was really intriguing, but we never got a production model of Christine, which might be for the best, because if Christine, the computer, gained sentience and then developed romantic feelings for you, then Stephen King would have to write Christine too. This time she's a computer. The next Razor concept made me say, won't you come on over? Stop making a fool out of me. Why don't you come on over, Project Valerie? That's a that's a shout out to the late Amy Winehouse. So yes, we're going to now talk about Project Valerie. We're skipping up to 2017 at this point. Uh, by the way, I got to see Project Christine and I got to see Project Valerie because this was back in the time when I was still going to CES. Well, this was during a time where we were getting uh, a trend where companies were trying to make laptops and experiment with having multiple screens built into that laptop. I remember seeing a few concept laptops around that time 
that were extra chonky. And the reason for that extra chonk was that the laptop hid a second display, typically housed inside the casing of the main display. So like you would pop it out and it would stand off to the side. So you would extend the secondary display out and then bam, you've got a laptop with two displays or two monitors. That was not good enough for Razer. And Project Valerie was a gaming laptop with three displays. Not only that, each screen measured 17.3 inches. That Those are big displays for a laptop. And all three had 4K resolution. Deployed, the screens could create a 180-degree viewing arc, giving gamers a really immersive perspective. That is, if the game supported that kind of setup, it would. Razer told booth visitors that if they wanted to learn more, they could sign up for updates. Uh, I do not think I signed up. CES is a really busy time, but I did a little digging for this episode, and I didn't find any updates, so I imagine Project Valerie is fairly dormant at the moment. Now, there are dual-screen laptops out there. Most of them are not side-by-side screens. Instead, what you get is you open up your laptop, and then at the base of your primary display, you have a touch display that is kind of, it's above the keyboard and at the base of the primary display. Sometimes it will even tilt up a little bit so that you have a little touch screen that you can use to do something. I I honestly don't get this. Uh, I've never found one of these laptops to be useful for the way I use computers. That doesn't mean they're not useful. It just means that the way I use computers and, and to be frank, I'm old and I'm set in my ways. The way I use computers, it just doesn't gel with this. I've said this before in the past, too. I feel the same way about laptop computers that have a touch display built into them, where the display you're looking at is also a touch screen. I don't ever use that. Like, I don't have a computer that currently has that. And the few times where I've worked on a laptop that has that, it's just it's the last thing in my mind. It just doesn't work for me. So it may very well be that some of y'all out there have one of these dual display laptops where you have like that very wide but short display, I guess. And it goes across the entire width of the laptop, but it's not very tall. In other words, maybe some of y'all out there have laptops like that that are incredibly useful. And that's that's cool. It's just one of those where I could not find a use for it. But that's more common, right? You can find dual screen laptops like that out there. They aren't the norm, but they exist and they are more frequent than, say, a side by side display laptop. There are also aftermarket products that let you mount extra displays to your laptop screen and and effectively turn it into a multi display laptop. These typically will plug into a USB port, often a USB C port. So you can DIY your own Project Valerie laptop if you so desire though I would definitely watch some videos online first to get an idea if it's right for you before you plop down the cash for them. One video I saw showed that if you had a laptop with a fairly large screen, it was hard to find a solution that uh, that worked properly for that. It worked better for middle-sized laptops, but I don't have one of these. I haven't used it myself, so I can't really you know, comment on it one way or the other. Okay, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, We're going to talk about some more concepts slash vaporware from Razer. Working remotely, where you are shouldn't dictate what you do. 
Work from the road by turning your vehicle into a reliable high-speed data Wi-Fi hotspot with AT&T in-car Wi-Fi. On the network that covers more roads than any other carrier, take your work on the road and AT&T will be there to keep you connected. Connect up to 10 devices and stream conference calls, finish up that presentation, or answer last-minute emails. Why wait? Go to att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi today for free trial eligibility. Based on independent third-party data, number of devices varies by manufacturer. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast from Ruby Studio in partnership with Intel. Explore the future of technology that's rapidly evolving our world today with the help of AI. There is still so much work and research needed to fully understand the power and potential of AI, and Intel is at the forefront of implementing AI in revolutionary technology that's changing the world we live in for the better. In each episode, Graham interviews the minds transforming medicine and healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more, while pioneering new uses for AI in these spaces. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Okay, we're back. Now, Project Valerie was shown off in 2017, but that wasn't the only concept that Razer had for folks visiting their booth that year at CES. They had another one called Project Ariana. Also, you'll notice, you know, Project Christine, Project Valerie, Project Ariana. Razer names its projects after traditionally female names. If Project Valerie was asking the question, hey, wouldn't it be cool if your laptop had three screens? Project Ariana asked the question, hey, wouldn't it be cool if you could turn the wall behind your computer into a giant screen? So basically, Project Ariana was a 4K projector that would connect to your computer. And you would have this projector pointed at the wall behind your computer, and the projector would display images on that wall essentially creating a wall-sized display. It couldn't 
magically extend your view necessarily, though it could give that impression. The projector used a fisheye lens to create a 155 degree projection. It also supported depth sensing cameras, which Razer said meant that the projector would be able to detect objects that were in between the computer and the wall and thus adjust the projection so that it could compensate for any obstacles. So if you had like a chair between you and the wall, or maybe it's another table or a little brother or something, you know, the cameras on this projector would detect that and adjust the projection so that it would be flat from your perspective, right? So you wouldn't have these weird uh, uh, distortions in your view due to the obstacles in place. I don't know if that actually worked or if that was just an idea, but that was what they said. So it was kind of like a very low uh, technology version of 3D mapping. The, you know, that's the the type of art that you see where there's a projection against a permanent structure like a building where the animation creates these really, really uh, powerful and compelling effects on actual structures. You know, I've seen some where it makes it look like a building crumbles down into nothing and then rebuilds itself as a fantasy structure. It's cool stuff. It was kind of supposed to be able to do that at a very low end. Now, really, Project Ariana was more about showcasing a product Razer already had called Razer Chroma. This is Razel's technology that aims to incorporate hardware into the experiences of gaming through lighting. So think of stuff like a backlit keyboard or a gaming mouse that has LED elements worked into it. Chroma would aim to match the colors and patterns of light on these devices to accompany whatever game or movie or whatever you were running on your computer so that the experience of that media would extend beyond the media itself. It wouldn't just be you playing this game. It'd be your keyboard is enhancing that experience. And it's a nifty concept, like one where there's this enticing idea of the game experience extending out into the real world in some way. Virtual reality kind of takes that on the other direction, but it's the same general concept, right? Incorporating us into the game experience in new ways. So Ariana was really meant to show off Chroma at large scale. It just, you know, never became a product of its own. Something that did become a product, though only for a short time, was the Razer phone. Now, I'm not talking about the R-A-Z-R Razer phones, the ones that were originally made by Motorola. They were very popular a couple of decades ago. Uh, in the in the time before smartphones, the Razer flip phones were like a, a, a must have accessory for a lot of people of a certain generation. I was never cool enough to have one. So instead, I'm talking about Razer, R-A-Z-E-R phones. These were Android based smartphones that Razer produced starting in 2017. Razer acquired another company that was in the smartphone business and then started to use that company's technology to produce phones with Razer branding on them. Now, Razer only made two models of their phone, and the Razer 3 model was apparently shelved, and from all we can tell, it's shelved permanently. But in 2018, 
Razer took the opportunity to create a concept that further promoted its brand new smartphone. So the Razer 1 was introduced in the end of 2017. CES 2018, they come out with Project Linda. Now, at a glance, Linda looked like a typical laptop computer, but it really wasn't a computer. It was a dumb terminal. It was, you know, just a a place for you to plug a phone into, really. So the secret to Linda was that it would get its processing power and capabilities from a Razer phone. So if you were to look down at the keyboard of Project Linda, you would see that where the touchpad normally would be on a laptop computer, there was kind of an indentation, and it was a space where you could plug a Razer phone into the machine. And the phone would act as your touchpad, but it would also actually be the brains of the laptop. And really, the laptop would just become a new interface for your phone. It was a dock, in other words. It was a smartphone dock. And there were actually a few computer concepts from different companies around this same time that used a similar idea, that you would have a smartphone dock that would allow you to tap into your phone's processing power, but use it like a computer, which would be you know, arguably better for cases of stuff like, like productivity software. It's way easier to type on a laptop than on your typical smartphone. And these docks would have their own battery. Obviously, they'd have a keyboard and they'd have a larger screen, but otherwise they would rely on the smartphone to provide the oomph behind computations. Uh, this was also around the era of ultralight laptops. This was an evolution of the teeny tiny netbooks that had come the decade before uh, netbooks were extremely portable computers, but they were also a nuisance to use because they were so small. They had really cramped keyboards. It was hard to use them and not feel uncomfortable. So ultralights kind of followed along behind that. And you can even find a few companies that sell these sort of smartphone dock style laptops today. But Project Linda was clearly more about promoting the Razer phone than it was about actually selling a smartphone dock itself. Now, as you no doubt have already gathered by the fact that I've included Project Linda in this episode, it never saw the light of day. But more than that, Razer would actually abandon its smartphone production entirely. The company did release the Razer Phone 2 in late 2018. So, you know, CES happens in January of each year. So, this would have been well after they had showed off Project Linda. They came out with the Razer Phone 2. But then after that, things kind of wound down. When the Phone 3 did not emerge in 2019, the original excuse we were given, the reason for its delay, was that Razer was waiting on 5G network deployment, that the 5G networks were slower in rolling out than Razer had anticipated. And rather than release a phone that had limited utility, they would wait for more 5G coverage. That was the excuse. I mean, I get that, but at the same time, it does seem like it's an excuse because presumably the phone had the capability of, of tapping into LTE networks because, I mean, even with full deployment, 5G was going to have spots that it wasn't going to reach. So you could roll the phone out early and then the 5G capability would come online once the networks were in place. But Whatever. Slash Gear actually published an article in 2022 that showed photos of a supposed Razer Phone 3. It was at least a phone that had 
the Razor logo on the back of it, though, of course, that could have been faked. Uh, and it did have differences from the previous two Razer phone models, but it didn't look that different. So in other words, it had a couple of features that set it apart. So it obviously was a different phone, but it didn't set it apart so much that it looked truly innovative. So in that article slash gear ends up saying that, well, maybe the problem was that Razer determined that they were slowing down in innovation with the phones and that it just wasn't going to, to live up to expectations. It wasn't going to compete in the market against flagship smartphones from other companies. And so they decided to pull the plug on the whole division. They've been pretty quiet on that front ever since the Razer continued to support the earlier phone models. So at least people who had a Razer phone or Razer phone two didn't immediately find their, their devices unsupported in 2019. Razer actually took a little bit of a breather with their blue sky concepts. They still had plenty of things to show off at CES, right? Like they brought new products in to show people, but these were things that were actually real products or soon to become real products. So there's no fun in that, right? Like we can't talk about all these crazy things that Razer showed off, but never produced. So we're going to skip ahead. And boy, howdy, did Razer go hard in 2020. That was the year that the company showed off the Razer e-racing simulator concept. No, no female name for this one. This thing, however, is massive. And uh, you should look up pictures or video of this, the Razer e-racing simulator. It consists of uh, a big metal frame that holds everything together. You got yourself a racing chair. So it's, you know, a gamer chair in the race car style that's mounted on a sturdy hydraulic platform. So the platform can create movement. The chair includes both a lap and an over the shoulder seat belt, actually over both shoulders. And uh, those were necessary, not just so that you wouldn't fall out of your racing chair while you're racing, but also because they connect to motors and the simulator would tighten the belt at times to simulate the G forces you would feel let's say you're braking really hard. Well, it would tighten the seatbelt. So you would feel that pressure as if you were being pushed forward from uh, the momentum you were experiencing. Or, you know, if you're going through a really tight turn suddenly, that's when the seatbelts would create this sort of haptic feedback for you. Mounted in front of the chair is a huge curved projection screen measuring a, an enormous 128 inches and giving more than 200 degrees field of view to the player. In between the chair and the screen, you of course have your super high-end gaming steering wheel with you know leather uh, covers and has sophisticated controls, including magnetic paddles for gear shifting, that kind of thing. The whole setup is meant to create as immersive an experience as possible to really capture the feeling of driving a high-performance race car. And if it were an actual product, it would likely cost about as much as a race car does if Razer actually put it up for sale. As it stands, this concept may actually see some use in esports organizations, but you know, you're not likely to see this as a consumer product. It's just it would be too prohibitively expensive. But it might be something used by professional esports organizations for things like virtual races. And there are other high-end simulators from different companies out on the market that do 
a very similar thing. I took a look at some of them. Some of them have price tags that top out at more than a hundred thousand dollars. So yeah, if Razer is making these things for realsies for esports, then my apologies for including this on the list. I couldn't find examples of that. Doesn't mean it isn't happening. It's completely plausible that it could happen. There's nothing about this design that is so futuristic as to make it impossible, but uh, it's certainly not a consumer product. Okay, we're going to take another quick break. When we come back, I've got a few more examples of Razer concepts that we're probably not going to see become actual products. We'll be right back. Working remotely, where you are shouldn't dictate what you do. Work from the road by turning your vehicle into a reliable high-speed data Wi-Fi hotspot with AT&T in-car Wi-Fi. On the network that covers more roads than any other carrier, take your work on the road and AT&T will be there to keep you connected. Connect up to 10 devices and stream conference calls, finish up that presentation, or answer last-minute emails. Why wait? Go to att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi today for free trial eligibility. Based on independent third-party data, number of devices varies by manufacturer. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast from Ruby Studio in partnership with Intel. Explore the future of technology that's rapidly evolving our world today with the help of AI. There is still so much work and research needed to fully understand the power and potential of AI, and Intel is at the forefront of implementing AI in revolutionary technology that's changing the world we live in for the better. In each episode, Graham interviews the minds transforming medicine and healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more, while pioneering new uses for AI in these spaces. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. At CES in 2021, Razer had a couple of different concepts on display. One was called Project Hazel, uh, and this was a face mask 
with RGB lights built into it and a filtration system and some other cool bells and whistles. It was a timely concept in the wake of the COVID-19 pandemic, but this one would eventually become a real thing. Uh, by the time it became a real thing, Razer had renamed it. They called it the Zephyr and they sold them for 99 bucks a pop in late 2021. Now I should add that the Zephyr does lack a few features that Razer included in the original Hazel concept. So the Zephyr, for example, doesn't have interior microphones built into it with exterior speakers built into it. And that was meant to make it easier for other folks to understand your masked mumblings while you wore the thing, right? Like, so you'd be kind of like Darth Vader. You would be able to speak through the mask and people would be able to understand you. It also does not have a charging stand and an ultraviolet light to sanitize the mask, which was in the original concept, but not in the final product. But still, Project Hazel made it further into reality than most of the concepts on this list. So we won't spend any more time on that. Instead, we'll move on to Project Brooklyn. Brooklyn is definitely a concept rather than an actual product. So at first glance, Brooklyn looks like a high-end gaming chair uh, built on, on an actual like leg system as opposed to on casters, so you can't scoot around in it. It is in the race car chair form factor, but after that first glance where you just think, oh yeah, it just looks like a, you know, like a, a race car style gaming chair. After that first glance, the science fiction stuff starts to take over. There's an animated diagram that shows that an arm extends up from the back of the chair. When I watch that animation, the thing that makes me think about is like someone who's wearing swords on their back and they reach back behind them and pull both swords out at the same time over their shoulders. That's kind of what this animation makes me think about. Anyway, this arm extends up from the back of the chair to reach up over the user. So it kind of arcs up. So you've got it's almost looks like a scorpion tail sticking out. Then it splits into two arms and unrolls a 60 inch transparent OLED display in front of the user in the chair. So now you're sitting in your fancy schmancy chair and you have this curved transparent OLED screen in front of you. Uh, the chair hooks up to your computer or your console and the transparent screen becomes your display. The chair includes haptic feedback so it can send vibrations through the chair as you play. And uh, like, you know, if you're playing a shooter game and you're getting hit, then maybe you feel like the little thuds. Uh, it, of course, has all the lighting elements you would expect from Razer and their chroma technology. The concept looks like it came out of a cyberpunk film, maybe set five or 10 years in the future. Like there's nothing about it that is necessarily impossible with the potential exception of that OLED screen concept, because to have a, a transparent display like that, that could roll and unroll and be you know resilient enough so that you could do it more than once, that would be incredibly expensive if it were real. Now, you just look at OLED televisions right now that don't do any kind of flexing at all. Those are super expensive. Having one that was built to, you know, roll up and unroll like a window shade over and over again. I can't imagine how expensive that would be. But you don't have to worry about that because, again, it's just a concept, a cool one. Uh, there are a lot of other features on this particular device, Project Brooklyn. You can look up uh, at, you know, Razor's press release if you want to see more about it. I'm not going to spend more time because 
there's really little point to talk about the features in a pretend product. <laughs> but uh, in 2022, Razer said, hey, you know what? We've done the whole gaming chair thing. What if we turned a gaming desk into a computer? And that's where Project Sophia comes in. So imagine that you've got your standard flat top desk, maybe with like a, a glossy finish on the surface of the, the top of the desk. Uh, but the back side of the desk, you have a port where you can plug in a display that essentially stretches from one end of the desk to the other. So you could have a 65 inch or 77 inch display, truly ginormous. The surface of the desk actually has little indentations, ports where you could slot in a module to create a computer that meets your specific needs. Or you could even hot swap out a module with a different one and convert your killer gaming rig into a productivity machine when that Zoom call you have scheduled starts to creep up on your, your calendar. Project Sophia reminded me a lot of the old Project Christine concept. Remember, that's the modular desktop PC. Except in this case, instead of having a vertical rectangular chassis that would serve as the basis for your modular computer, the desk itself is the chassis where you would plug modules in. But it's the same basic concept, right? The desk acts as the base level computer and the modules you slot in determine how you've optimized that computer. And the concept is interesting, but it immediately raises questions about things like upgrading the system. Uh, presumably, you would need to depend upon Razer once again whenever you wanted to upgrade to a better CPU or GPU. Because at least based upon what I saw, it didn't look like it would be particularly easy for you to take an existing module, open it up, replace a component, and then plug it back in. Instead, you would have to get a whole new module. Uh, again, this is a concept, so it, it's almost ridiculous to even talk about that because there's no reason why you couldn't create a concept where the individual components inside the modules are also swappable. Like That could be part of your concept. As long as we're talking about the hypothetical, why would we limit ourselves, right? Because there's no, there's no restriction here. We're just sort of blue skying stuff. And again, it's just a neat idea, but it's not an actual thing. And plus, that might be, you know, that might be for the best, at least for me. Uh, I can't speak for everyone. Again, I don't want to paint everyone with the same brush. But for me, I don't know where I would put my coffee cups which accumulate on my desk <laughs> or any of the other stuff that accumulates on my desk, because I would actually need all that surface area to be able to interact with my computer. Otherwise I'd just be covering up stuff like, uh, who really needs to see that temperature gauge on my GPU? I'll just, that's where I'll put my coffee cup. It's still a nifty idea. The most recent concept that Razer showed off at CES is one that I think we might actually see a version of in the future, but it's called Project Carol. And essentially, it's a high-tech head cushion designed for gaming chairs. Now, what sets it apart from your standard cushion is that it's supposed to have both haptic feedback and something called near-field surround sound capabilities. So if you had one of these headrests on your gaming chair... Rather than wearing headphones for that high-fidelity gaming experience, this cushion would create the localized sounds for you. You would have 
amazing spatial awareness in games that support 3D sound. And that comes in awfully handy if you're playing a competitive shooter and you need to hear when someone is about to pop around a corner or when they've started to reload their gun and it gives you an opportunity to get the drop on them. Now, I'm familiar with surround sound in general, but I have to admit the phrase near field surround sound was new to me. So I decided to look into that to see how it worked because your classic surround sound works by positioning a bunch of different speakers in specific positions around you. So typically with a surround sound system, you have stuff like a center channel, a front left channel, a front right channel, back left channel, back right channel, and then a subwoofer to create really deep bass sounds. You could also have a couple of supplemental speakers that project sound over you to really create a full envelope of sound and increase immersion. There are different approaches to surround sound. They're almost all proprietary. So uh, also that makes things really kind of frustrating for cinephiles, uh, people who love movies. They'll go out, they'll create their audio system for their, their home theater. And if the movie you want supports one version, but not the version you have, that gets really frustrating because you're probably not going to get the ideal audio experience out of it. It's a whole area of tech where there's uh, uh, different proprietary approaches that can become extremely frustrating. But anyway, that's how basic surround sound works, right? You literally have speakers pointed at you from different positions to create this sensation of sound all around you. What the heck is near field surround sound and how would a headrest do it? Well, near field turns out to be one of those terms you encounter in audiophile circles that gets a bit wibbly wobbly, which is frequently the case with audiophiles. Uh, a lot of the listening experience is personal and psychological, so you can't really create these overarching broad explanations that are universally applicable because the way you experience sound, the way I experience sound, is different. To what degree, I don't know. It might be very slight to the point where we can have a deep conversation and feel like we're talking about the exact same thing. Or it could be fundamentally different to a point where <laughs> we could both be speaking the same language and still not really understand what each other's trying to get at. Now, as near as I can figure... Near field references a listening experience in which you take in less of the sound of the room you are in and more of the sound of the audio itself. So a good near field setup would minimize the sounds of the actual environment you are in, but maximize the sounds of the audio source, whether that was music or a video game or a movie or whatever. A far field experience would have more room sound, which is not always a bad thing. Think about seeing a band play at a concert venue. The acoustics of the venue, the positioning of the speakers in that venue relative to your own physical position, the crowd, all of that affects the sound quality you experience. And that might be a wonderful thing. Like it gives you a very special a unique experience with that sound. So near and far do not necessarily mean better or worse, but how the heck does a headrest, a cushion create near field surround sound? How would speakers that are behind your head 
maybe a little bit to your, your left and your right with the way that the, the headrest kind of has arms that jut out to your left and right. How would you create surround sound using that particular speaker setup? Well, that is an excellent question. And the good news for Razer is it doesn't have to explain it because this is a concept. Maybe if they did answer the question, they would use some sort of explanation relying on how sounds from the left and right speakers would interfere or boost one another in some vague way to create a rich three-dimensional soundscape that seems to be all around you. But they don't really have to do that, because ultimately, this is just a concept for a high-end gaming chair headrest. So you don't really need to explain how it works because you're not actually making the thing in the first place. Maybe you could come out with a product that has some of these features in the future, but I doubt any headrest with incorporated speakers will actually support true near field surround sound that's capable of masking the noise of the room you are in while also giving you pinpoint precise acoustic cues for the game that you're playing or a really convincing surround sound experience for the film you're watching or whatever. To me, this feels like, wouldn't it be cool if we could do this rather than, oh, I know how to do that. I'm not saying it would be impossible to get at least some surround sound feeling or at least positional sound. I think you could. I just don't think it would be surround sound 7.1 experience the way the marketing material does or the the concept material does. Uh, It would be really neat if we could make it. But then again, it would also be really neat if we could make a hoverboard like the kind they had in Back to the Future 2. And we can't. This brings us up to speed with some of Razer's various concepts. Again, some of these are just meant to promote other technologies that Razer is marketing with their various products. So it's really there to highlight something Razer is doing with a largely fictional piece of technology. But they have incorporated their real tech into the concept, and the end goal is to promote the real tech that underlies it. Some of them are just floating ideas that we may or may not see incorporated in future products. And again, some of them look like they're just there to try and get more eyeballs directed at Razer during CES, which is never an easy thing to do. So no, no shade on Razer for doing these sorts of things. Like I said, some of these we've actually seen emerge into products. They do tend to be scaled down quite a bit from the blue sky concepts, but Razor's not alone in this, right? The entire auto industry has a history with concept vehicles that never become production vehicles. They're just there to show off ideas and get some attention and get some excitement and buzz behind them. And then maybe we see elements of those work their way into future models down the line. But, you know, you're never going to be able to actually drive one of those concept cars because Maybe one or two were built ever, and often it's just a chassis and nothing is inside of it. So yeah, Razor's not alone in doing this, but I thought I would cover it because I've actually seen some of these in person when I was at CES. And I admit, like seeing it in person, it gets you pumped. You get excited at the idea. You think, man, wouldn't it be cool to have a laptop that has three screens and to create a 180 degree view as I play a, a virtual racing game or Uh, like X-Wing style simulator, like Rogue Squadron or something. That would be really neat. And it would be. It's just unfortunately a concept and not reality. 
Okay, that's it for this episode. Hope you are all well. If you would like to reach out with suggestions for things I should cover in future episodes of Tech Stuff, please do. One way is to go on Twitter. The handle for the show is TechStuffHSW. The other way is to download the iHeartRadio app. It is free to download and free to use. Once you have it downloaded and installed, you can open that sucker up, and in the search field, you can type in Tech Stuff. You should be able to go straight to the Tech Stuff podcast page, and there you'll see a little microphone icon. If you click on that, you can leave a voice message up to 30 seconds in length. Let me know what you would like to hear in a future episode. And I'll talk to you again really soon. Tech Stuff is an iHeartRadio production. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender.